I read this great book recently. Um, I wish I could read. Really? <laughs> no, I don't care. <laughs> Joking. Like you, you've got a great, done a great job with your career without the literacy thing. That's that's. I know, right? Yeah. I actually am a notoriously slow reader. So, I can read. It's just very slow, and so I get bored. Understandable. I was going to say also, on a side note, I don't think there's anything wrong if our podcast episodes start becoming like starting on the movie, and then if we go off and we're just talking about non-movie stuff. Yeah. I almost like, I feel like movies are the theme, but that doesn't need to be the entire content well, of the That podcast. was what I was going to say about this particular movie, is this movie wasn't as heavy. There's not a lot to talk about. It's it's not a heavy movie it's just in good. the way that... It's just a great movie. It's just good. It's just I. It was just a good movie. I I don't. Yeah, I, I was trying to look into it, and I was just like, "What's the theme? Like, how do I? I should probably get my notebook too." But I was but, gonna say I have one page of notes. Yeah. And they were all things that I noticed that I was like, "Oh, I bet you this was what they did." Oh, this is interesting. One of the notes is just completely wrong. Um, did you? Yeah. Did you? Have... I mean, I guess it was it was on the right track, just wrong motivation. But then other stuff was just like I had a note that I was like, "Oh, <laughs> she's a copycat." That's what I said when I got <laughs> the beginning of the movie. In the beginning, of the, they, they were like, yeah, I think I know my copycat. It was just like, oh I my. I didn't even hear that. But like at the end, I just clicked. I was like, oh, the copycat. Yeah. I think the cat. <laughs> they like, spent an hour and 40 minutes just for that punchline. Listen, listen <laughs> I, he doesn't traditionally do comedies, but I wrote down and underlined, this movie was a comedy. It's kind of a comedy. Yeah, to catch it even. I mean, it's like it's, it's not your like buddy cop. Everything's a joke comedy. It's a lighthearted kind of it's kind fun of a family rom-com. movie, and it, it's totally it's kind of a it's rom-com. A, it's a it's it's a hundred percent a rom-com. This is okay. This, this is, is this, this actually is a, this was a Hallmark movie. Oh my god, it kind of was, and actually it, vacation, it totally explains. Va- if you if you took this from um, Francie's perspective, this. This was a Hallmark movie. She no, goes on it vacation totally to was. She ends up meeting this <laughs> ex-con, falls in she love makes with him. Good. She thinks that she he, fixes she him. Thinks that he's gonna like steal her mom's diamonds, and then, and then they end up together. Yeah, no, I, I. And she helps him catch the real thief. No, I know that. Yeah, this is a Hallmark movie. No, it's it's and it's funny. It actually makes so much sense why this actually Hallmark like, Hitchcock. Yeah. It makes so much sense why I love this movie now because now that we've identified this being a rom com, I'm just like, yeah, well, this this tracks because I have I'm a sucker for rom coms, like almost all of them. There's there's so many moments that I didn't expect to be funny. Like it was just goofy. Like it was intentionally there were moments. I would say it's my kind of comedy that doesn't that not everyone gets. Where it's like, what those characters are doing is just dumb, no, and really I find funny. it hilarious. Perfect example when. I believe it is, um, man, it's John, right? John is the main character? John Robbie, or John Roby, yeah. John Roby, which also his name. But you can call him Cary Grant if you want. Yeah, Cary that's Grant's how I... character. So, which, by the way, his name, John Roby, which is spelled John Rob. His last name that's... is only because he's a robber. <laughs> that's... That'd be like if my name was Chandler Podcast Edity. E. Edity, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, there was a scene where Cary Grant and um, Grace Kelly Grace Kelly go to look <clears throat> I'm, I'm doing air quotes for those of you listening. They go to look at a villa for um, for C- 
Carrie yeah. Grant. Sorry, they're both the, these names. They're all it's four first names. Both of them. Carrie Grant, Grant, Grace Kelly. <laughs> Um, is that like Grant. an old timey? Because that's definitely an old timey actor thing. Because John Wayne, you've got. Oh yeah, Cary Grant is not his his first name. Uh, his first name is like Archibald or something like that. I could see how you could like get he Archibald was, from he was Cary. Born, well, it's just Cary Grant is his stage name. But uh, that scene where they go to look at the villa and the cops are following them. Um, when they come to leave the villa, those two cops are playing hacky sack. I know, I know. And it's not. They're not. First of all, they're playing the hacky sack. Second of all, they're just like their legs are up as high as their heads. Like they're doing really they, bad. At, they were not out good of the at car. They were distracted from their job playing hacky sack, and then Cary Grant and Grace Kelly leave, and they rush to their car. It's like that's. Oh, we gotta also talk about the fact that the chicken was the, thing <laughs> the chicken was. The, I wrote that down. There were so many obstacles in the road, and the chicken caused the car crash. Oh my god! The, les poulets, les poulets. <laughs> just like. Oh my god! The, the 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 movie was kind of funny though. Like the even the beginning was was funny. Like the the, the very stark introduction where he's just chilling and he's got the the like he looks like a, a he's kind of dressed like an ex con or like like a the pinstripes or yeah. something like a, somebody from prison would which I didn't with an ascot yeah a with tucked, an ascot. A tucked ascot got the tucked ascot <laughs> so you know he's got the I so. On a slightly serious note, this movie had like a lot of color theory going on. I don't know if you noticed it, but the they they won an Oscar. Uh, like, they were nominated for an Oscar for their color because this was all really? this was all Technicolor. So this was I I'm I, gonna, d- I did gonna, the research. Gonna, Technicolor happened in the 1930s. I think it was 32. This movie is 55. But this movie was like I I don't know specifically about how um how long after. Technicolor became mainstream, but I know that just by looking at it, there was a lot of there was a lot of parts of this movie that were very like almost a little experimental. Like the way they would do darkness was really interesting because I uh, had always noticed how most movies that did darkness were using like daytime, but then would do like an extremely blue filter on it. And so, yeah. you, but what was interesting about this movie, and I don't know if you caught this, is there was they would use jewel tones in the movie, especially when in that last scene where they were um, they were just about to catch the thief. There was the blue night scene, I guess, and then you had green on the rooftops to sort of mm. sy- symbolize like the jewels that were being being stolen. The, yeah, um, and I was always just like very interested in very interested in the, the choices there because it was. Slightly different than a lot of movies that I had seen Technicolor, like uh, Wizard of Oz, or that's it. <laughs> Wizard of Oz is an interesting one. I just for that one, I just think of that scene where Dorothy's going from Kansas into Oz, and there's that scene where you have black and white and Technicolor. Oh, I haven't seen that movie in a really long time, but yeah, I do you know what you're talking about? Yeah, do do you know how they did that scene? Just a quick tangent from Hitchcock. So Judy Garland had a body double for that scene. So there was the set that was inside was painted in black and white. It was filmed in Technicolor, but it was painted in black and white. Judy Garland had a body double with the same costume, but was all in black and white. And so the body double... Which they painted the body double. Yeah, and the body double opens the door in the black and white scene. And if you watch it back, you can notice she opens the door and she steps backwards out of frame... And then Judy Garland comes forward into frame and walks 
or and then the the camera pans into Oz, and then Judy Garland comes in. Dude, this is blowing my mind. This is crazy. That's that is what we call movie magic. It's not CGI. No, it's no, no, it's no. all of like the tricks that you can use in a set or on scene to, I guess, pull the wool over an audience's eyes so that what they're seeing is truly like magic. That's how Christopher Nolan made the fake atomic bomb in Oppenheimer. It's the same exact. I'm totally joking. There's no. <laughs> It's the same. It's the same. They just painted it on the wall. They just painted they it ju- on the wall, and then it blew up. Uh, yeah, which is like crazy. The more that like I think about it, I respect what CGI, <clears throat> digital imaging can do, and like the jobs it creates. Like it's very impressive work, but in a way, it kind of killed movies. Oh, it totally because does. no one ever questions how do they do that anymore. It's, that's probably just CGI. Well, and it's and I, I think a lot of a lot of. Um, a lot of the kind of common tropes that we have now in movies um, are sort of killing the magic of movies. Like, like we're sort of typecasting actors into specific roles, and the whole point of acting is to become, is to become else. somebody else that is completely different from you in order to embody their lives for however long it takes to to do the play or the movie. Or so it's it's taking away from the the craft of acting in a way in in, you know in a way in in a way um i see what you're saying in in a way that would seem to and for all my D &D listeners out there are gonna hate the the casting is starting to take take away the creative agency of actors by saying we want you to just be yourself yeah and it's it's not but at the same time that i I do see there are different, like, um, I mean, there's different acting methods. There an entire method, which is, I think, just the most popular method nowadays, is just casting someone who can just be themselves and for who they are. It's like, oh, I think who you are, Connor, would fit this character really well. Yeah. I want you to just come in, pretend your name's different, <clears throat> maybe have, like, a tick or two or whatever. Whereas character actors, a completely different method, which I think is more of what I would consider myself someone who comes in and is like, no, I don't, I don't want to be me. Me already exists. Yeah. Let's work together to create someone who is uniquely their own. Mm-hmm. And, and I've heard, I've heard that playing yourself is the hardest thing that any actor does because in most, in most, um, actors, creative lives, they're, they're trying to actively explore somebody else actively explore the lives of somebody else and and so when they do have to play themselves they're playing a caricature of themselves or they're they're playing sort of a a uh i don't know a facade and you can't necessarily go deep into the story because um a lot of the parts of yourself are unknown to you do you know what i mean like like if you're um like that's the whole spiel about therapy is that you're uncovering parts of yourself that you didn't necessarily yeah. see. And so that's why it's so hard is because like I, I, I um, talked to my friend about this, that if I were to ask them what's wrong with me, just like give me a list of three things that I do that's like wrong with me. They could probably tell me that and I'd be like, nah, nah, no. <laughs> But but it's really easy when you have 
the the third por- person point of view to say yes that's what's wrong with them and i can be that i think i think i see what you're saying i think it i agree with you for time like certain times certain situations um i the entire time you were talking i was thinking of like we have friends that are into astrology and their big thing is oh this that your son or, or like one of them is how you come across to others, one of them is how you come across to yourself, and then one of them is who you really are. So to be able to uncover all three of those, to know how you do come across to other people, how you should be reflecting in scenes with yourself, and then how you like, just actually are. Yeah. Um, but I think acting is your... Like, so I, I would agree that to be like uh, the focus of a scene, to be a main character or the, like, the lead in a film or play or TV show, to be playing yourself in intimate moments where you have to introspect and you have to be vulnerable and be so truly you in such a raw way. Mm -hmm. I absolutely agree. That's so hard because you like one, you have to be vulnerable Two, you can be who you think you are, but you're not really being who you are unless you've done the work to uncover that. The caveat I would say is if you're not playing some kind of lead, like maybe you're um, a guest star or you're in there for a scene, you have a few lines Really, all you have to do is go in and just be, be like, just be yourself. And just yeah. Be like, oh, hey, man, how's it going? But you're, then, but you're working you from a level that's that's a lot shallower, I guess. I it's, mean, that's that's not a necessarily a nice word, but you're not working from the depth of creating a deep character. I mean, that's that's the big difference between TV acting and, and film acting is that when you're in film, you're creating this huge, incredibly deep character that. <clears throat> essentially explores the past of a character through you know a, a very short amount of time so in in most movies as most dramas you're exploring arguably some of the most stressful days of a person's life like in goodwill hunting for example or let's we could even bring it back to uh the to catch a thief all of the characters are exploring 10 days i believe that are incredibly stressful. John Roby is being hunted by, by the police and by his former, former um, resistance pals. I don't know. Former cellmates, folks, basically. members. I don't know. But but uh, he's being hunted by them, and he's basically. The stakes are incredibly high for him to, to uh, either save his clear his name and save himself, or be damned to prison for the rest of his life. And then you have other people who are losing an incredible amount of money. And so they're all under in, in, intense moments of stress. And so the point of or being a, a lead character, you have to create this intense backstory. And the heavier the movie, I mean, arguably this isn't that heavy of a movie, but in the heavier the plot is and the higher the stakes are, the deeper you have to go into this person's backstory because the you're working with deeper insecurities. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I agree. Yeah, you, it, you definitely have to get some kind of serious therapy going to to play yourself in that way, which is why I think even if you're cast in a role of someone who's like, "Oh, I want you to play you," you're not really like playing yourself in a movie. No, like no. it's not a like I I wouldn't be cast to play me in a biopic of myself. Right, and that's why I think most like biopics don't cast like they're 
even if it's a biopic of an actor who's still alive, they don't right. cast them because it's so much easier. One, it's easier for another actor to go in and look in and say, this isn't what the world sees. Like, but at the same time, it's creating art. You're right. not, it's, if you wanted it to be so true to oneself, you would make a documentary. You would go right, in and right, interviews. Right, right. You would have those discussions and those, almost those therapy sessions with how vulnerable someone's willing to get as actually as them and not them playing them. And you're using you're using their story to tell a different story or to tell a, a larger truth about humanity. Do you know what I mean? Or being being a person or being, um, I don't know, like a good example is the Bohemian Rhapsody movie about Freddie Mercury. Mm-hmm. That was a great movie about an immigrant, about uh, <clears throat> a man coming to terms with his own homosexuality. Wait, sorry, are we talking about Bohemian Rhapsody or Top Gun? I knew you were going to do that too. I said that, I was just like, wow. Bohemian Rhapsody was a great, great movie because it was using one person's story to address all of these different things. Uh, a person's struggle to come to terms with their, their own homosexuality, their, the... the plight of being an immigrant in a in a world where immigrants were necessarily not if any upon. if anything a movie about what it feels like to be on the outside exactly exactly and getting an insane amount of recognition like being on the outside for so many parts of who you are and then getting recognized for something you can do yeah and that becoming your identity <clears throat> which kind of messes with the rest of who you are yeah yeah i mean it, it was i think in any of those biopics the the story that you're telling is way bigger than the person it's than the person it's about you know what i mean like the yeah so um slight side question for you yeah is it a dialect or accent thing or does everyone but me pronounce biopic wrong? Because everyone <laughs> I hear says biopic, and it it aggravates me. I took a I shot. I could, I, I could I could be wrong. I could be the wrong one. Maybe it's pronounced biopic, but to me, it's just like it makes way more sense for it to be biopic because that flows off of the. It tongue. sounds cool. It sounds, it sounds cool. cooler. I think I've heard it be called biopic more often than biopic. But then I think biopics have become more. I'm gonna. I'm sticking with biopics. So if I'm wrong, then the world can change, and you can quote me on that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I. Th- I think because biopics have become more popular, i.e., Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah. the Elton John movie. I'm sure there's more, but those are the first two that come to mind. Oppenheimer's um, coming out. Oppenheimer's coming out. Um, I guess it. This was a little bit older, but and I don't know if it was fully a biopic, or not. But the theory of everything. Um, oh, and um, Imitation Game. Imitation Game. I think with all of these uh, biopics in more recent days becoming more popular and in the mainstream, I think maybe that word has come more into the mainstream of yeah. linguistics, and I think it's a less common thing to have had. So I think people read it and they go, oh, it's a biopic, because it literally is a biographical picture. That's, Bio- I mean, that's, that's where I got it from. But biopic it sounds cool. Biopic sounds cool. Biopic. <laughs> Oh, but it's tough too because biopic sounds like a noun and biopic sounds like no biopic sounds like a an adjective, adjective. but it, because to me it's you it's know, a biopic I'm not gonna, movie I'm not... because to me it's not oh a biopic it's a biopic movie to me it is an adjective 
Oh. And everyone uses it as a noun. Maybe that's what bothers me. I'm like, guys, it's not a noun. It's an adjective describing a type of movie. You know what? I'm not going to fight you on it's this like, one. It's like a I, documentary. I... It's a documentary movie. It's not a, I don't know, documentary. There's too many syllables to make that count. Doc. It's just a doc. It's a doc. Um. There were no doctors in To Catch a Thief to have an easy <clears throat> segue from that. So you want to get back to Just Catch a Thief? Yeah, so first of all, my first note from the movie was just like the first scene, so clever, just a cat on the roof. I was like, right? He's a cat burglar. Yeah. It was literally, like there were so many jokes that were just like, oh yeah, let's uh, let's be overly literal and just so goofy. Uh, The Hitchcock cameo right at the beginning. So funny. (laughs) He's just sitting, he's not doing anything, but it's just that face he makes. I want to make it now, but like it's... He just no he just has the you know that that <laughs> that, that is Excuse the literal term. Yeah, just whenever I think of Hitchcock, all I hear is. <laughs> I did in that scene. I also thought it was interesting that the birds were freaking out next to Grant, 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 Cary Grant, Cary Grant, Cary Grant. So many first names. <laughs> to Catch a Thief, a movie of four first names. <laughs> um, Actually, the, you've got. You've got Jesse Royce Landis. I don't think Landis is a first name, but Royce definitely is. Royce could definitely be. I actually know a Royce. Wait, do I? Anyway, those birds in that same scene before we see Hitchcock freaking out, I thought was clever. I I assumed what Hitchcock was doing there was saying that these birds were freaking out because they were scared of a cat who was sitting directly next to them. Oh, that's so good. That's it's so like, good. It's almost like, hey, I'm going to be Hitchcock and be really deep. And have this like very metaphorical thing happening, and then I'm just gonna be sitting there, <laughs> which makes the the reveal of him there a much better punchline. That he's like, this is a serious scene. <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind of he does kind of do that though. Like he, uh, while the movie is completely jokey, and maybe this is just what I got out of it from trying to be like very analytical about it, but the movie is about how not important money is. Yeah. Do you notice that? Like, like, I was noticing in Psycho last time that money was used as sort of like a, a red herring in a lot of ways. Okay. Like, it was, in, in Psycho, Everyone there was... thought money was the issue, but it really wasn't. It, right. So the issue, the issue from this movie was not money, but it was trust. But money was getting in the way of trust because what Cary Grant's character was trying to get everybody to trust him that he's not the thief and that he's actually to be trusted so that he can help find the thief. Copycat. Huh. Yeah, the copycat. Um, um, and Grace Kelly's character, Francie, and I guess her mom in a little bit, in a small way, was trying to find the ability to trust Cary Grant because they knew that he was the cat burglar in, you know, in the past, but the, he, that they don't know whether he's trustworthy and that he's not the thief. And so they're trying to trust that he's an actually okay person and not just after their money. So the money is, is sort of the, the corrupting factor, right? And so it's, it's, it feels like, and I haven't watched, have you watched a bunch of Hitchcock movies before? No, just these two. Okay. So, I mean, this might be a bit of a jump, but it seems like Hitchcock really likes using money as sort of 
a corrupting factor or something that's that's not really the focus, but it is the focus. Or it's... Which is interesting. It is a focus, but it is not the, the reason the movie is made. I... I would presume, only because we've only seen two movies, that it's a coincidence. Mostly because in Psycho, it's very in-your-face direct, the money. Where's the money? There is a pile of cash. Where is the money? The money must be the motivation. But in To Catch a Thief, it's my jewels. Yeah, which The is... only time money comes up is with the insurance. Oh. And, and... so my, I think money is used as a way to like connect the audience to what... Like, what is the value of the jewels? So as opposed to, like, directly money, I think it's just the jewels are there to to heighten the stakes. Did you notice he was t- he called the insurance man a thief as well? He did. Oh, that was an entire scene. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a couple of scenes, actually. There were a few scenes where he called him a gambler. Yeah. They told him he was, isn't insurance just gambling? Which I thought was really clever and strangely accurate. But, oh, it for sure is. But Cary Grant's character said that, and then also um, uh, Jesse Royce Landis's character, uh, Frank, Francie. Jesus, my brain blood. Francie's mom. We're, 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 we're handling Landis. a lot of first names right so now. A lot of names. Don't at me. I can't read. <laughs> That's a lie. I just choose not to. Um, but yeah, the, I, I think the theme of value... In like in a way, money, but I think value is a bigger theme because you don't mm-hmm. really see cash. You see gambling, so you see money. Ch- and I almost think it's intentional because they never talk about cash. No one ever has cash. There's jewels, which is worth money. There's poker chips, which is worth money, but we never actually see money. Nice. And so I, I would say because of the gambling and casino aspect, I would almost say that it's intentional that we don't actually see cash. So I, th- I would say it's more like... Yeah, I don't know. I, I almost... I almost feel like there's a bigger um, Jesse Royce Landis's character. Her there's like a, a a bigger theme, almost like the value or the money is a red herring again, where Jesse Royce Landis's character doesn't care that her jewels are gone. Yeah, she'll get her money back. It's they're fun. not really of value. She but had... the people who are and like even the insurance guy, he's like, well, that's a bummer they got stolen. But he's not freaking out. The only people who are pissed at the cat at Cary Grant's character are random people who read about it in the paper. Social random justice people, warriors. And the old, they're the former resistance members. You remember? They were always super pissed at him because they were trying to frame him to get him. Yeah. And they were all super angry at him because he was off living this lavish lifestyle because he didn't really care about the money. And they were all living, uh, I think they said paycheck to paycheck or or there was some sort of analogy there that said we're... We're living incredibly frugal lives here, and you're living off in some beautiful villa in France. And so it was like, it was it was like jealousy almost. And the whole reason that that um, that what's her name, the copycat, um, Danielle, Danielle, thank you. The reason Danielle wanted to do it was not only to just sort of live like John Robbie. Um, but also so that she could have that lavish lifestyle. And she was like, yeah, we should go off to South America and do whatever. It was almost interesting that spoil, uh, spoiler alert, by the way, you just gave yeah, me the copycat ones, but you know, it's 1955. So it's, it's been long enough as we say, um, what's interesting is she fully, she doesn't like 
blatantly admit it was her. But in that scene in the boat where she's like, we can move to South America. I can fence some gems. You assume she's like, I believe you stole them, which is a lie because she knows she stole them. Yeah. And so she's really saying we can move to South America and I have some gems I need to fence. Well, it was kind of a, it was. She was kind of, you know, not so subtly flirting with him and, and being like, oh, oh you could with, steal yeah. us some gems pretty, please. And she's twirling her hair and, you know, making, you know, googly eyes and, you know, blinking a bunch. And I will say, I did not expect that, the so, ending, just because I, at first I had assumed that since we didn't see Grace Kelly's character immediately and that because it was Hitchcock, I was assuming there was going to be some kind of twist. I was like, all right. That was that kind of was the Grant. twist. Wait, wait, who did you think? Did... Well, I had for I went into the start of the movie before I even hit play. I was like, okay, so we see Cary Grant. Oh, Grace Kelly's probably the thief. He's gonna meet Grace Kelly, and then when you first see Grace Kelly's character, which is very clear, Grant Kelly is coming onto the beach from the boat. Um, there's a bunch of beach chairs, and then Grace Kelly's on a yellow towel. In a yellow bathing suit, yellow swim cap. That was the first first time you... First time she appears on screen. We don't know who she is when she's there, but she sticks out. Like, the costuming was very clear that, like, she kind of blended into the sand, but she stuck out from everyone else. Jewel tones. Jewel tones. Jewel tones. So it was very, like, she was watching him. And so I was like, I don't know where this connection of how she would know his style, but I was like, I just assumed. I didn't think it was going to be her. I just assumed that that's what was going to happen. <clears throat> and then the moment she kept accusing him more and more, like when she was like, I know you're the cat. I was like, oh, obviously, yeah. Oh, they want to go steal stuff together. She's like trying to get him to do it with her. And then when she comes in and like yells at him about stealing her mom's jewels, that's when I was like, wait, okay, so it's not her. And then I like had to go thinking, and then they had the red herring of, the guy from the beach who was doing pull-ups the whole time with the key to the lockers, like, is showing up and is around. Um, was it Bertoli? Is that his name? Uh, Bertoli was the guy, the dad Bert- of, yeah, of Bert- Danielle. Or Bertani, excuse me. No, Bertani was the restaurant owner. I don't think we ever got the name of the guy doing pull-ups. Who's uh, Jack, though? F- Fusard was Danielle's dad. Bertani oh, Bert- was the restaurant owner. So Bertar- Bertani's hanging out with this guy who works on the beach. The, all we've seen him do is is get a key back from Cary Grant's character. And do a and shit do ton of pull-ups. So when I saw him like at the catering event in the, like, the final scene where they're going to catch the copycat, I'm like, oh, he's an athlete. Cary, Cary Grant's character be- was an acrobat. I was like, oh, it's probably him. He's been keeping an eye on him. He's probably working with Ber- uh, with Bertani. I keep forgetting. Is it with Bertani? Um, I was like, that, that makes sense. And then it's Danielle, and I'm like, Okay, this is not a plot twist thriller. This is definitely a comedy thriller because it was like they weren't trying to be like, oh, and explain it. It was like, oh no, it was this person from the beginning. And I was like, yeah, okay, that that makes sense. But it, but it makes sense though. Like it's not supposed. I mean, this movie was never supposed to be super serious. I mean, I no. think that's one of the reasons why I love it so much is because it was I mean, a very. I mean, it's labeled as a <laughs> suspense, um, miss. I think mystery. Yeah, mystery romance thriller. But then. So I watched it on a streaming service that I'm not going to name, but it rhymes with Glamazon uh, Crime. Glamazon? Glamazon Crime, yeah. Um, and it's the last thing it listed was easygoing. And I was like, how is it a thriller and easygoing? This will be I would say it is. It is very easygoing. Yeah. It is a very... I, I don't know I, if it's I necessarily... Would, it was kind of a thriller. He was getting shot at. Yeah, a little bit. He but was getting, more <laughs> it was just like a fun ride. Like it was, He's a tough kid. It was... 
Is that what you're saying? He's just a tough guy. He's, 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 eh, he's seen fine. this before. No big deal. Eh, he's got plot armor. No, it's uh, it was a, I mean, it was a really good movie. It has sharp contrast to Psycho. Completely different that's, kind of movie. That's, yeah. Very, very different. I've probably watched this movie three or four times uh, in the past 12 months. Yeah, I would absolutely watch it I, again. Like, I, this is a movie I'd be like, hey, do you want to throw... Like, this would be a movie where I'm like, had a long day. I come home and I'm like, I just want to relax. Do you want to watch a movie? What do you want to watch? It's like the perfect... It's funny. It's a cute first date It's movie. funny. It's cute. It's like... It's not fully a comedy where it's dumb. It's not fully like a thriller where it's intense right. and like dark. It's just like... It's just a fun, easygoing, relaxing movie. Yeah. <clears throat> Alfred Hitchcock does Hallmark best. Man, if only he made more of them. Yeah. <laughs> the Birds was a Hallmark movie. <laughs> you just get that one shot, the birds are attacking the house, and they just have this passionate romance inside the house. <laughs> was that? And that is how birds are hatched. I don't know. So, I wanted to talk about Cary Grant's acting, because he carried this movie. I was gonna say ah, he, he carried this movie. I'm gonna hit you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know I was doing that. I was just like, um, I the chem the chemistry between it was a great ensemble. Like yeah, the chemistry between Cary Grant and Grace Kelly was incredible. I think I wouldn't say it was Cary. I would say like the every character that wasn't a background character were all phenomenal. So Grant good. Kelly great, Grace Kelly great. Jesse Royce, Jesse Royce Landis, fantastic. Who's the actor that played the Englishman? What was his name? H. H. Houston. Oh, oh my John God. Williams. He John was Williams. Amazing. John Williams, incredible. I will say that was like the one plot twist I knew the moment Cary Grant came in in a costume where his face was fully covered. I was like, interesting. Maybe he's trying to hide himself. And then when he says something you out knew. loud, I was like, he leaves and someone else is going to come in the yeah. costume. I was like, absolutely. And then I thought about it for a second. I was like, it's the Englishman. It's John Williams. <laughs> I didn't know. And I... they just danced for so long. And I was like. My Man. feet hurt. <laughs> that was so good. I was like, I just, it was one of those where it was the most, like I knew it was going to happen. It, that is who it was going to be. And it was still satisfying when he took the mask off. I was like, I, so good. I love, right? <laughs> I, speaking of, just quick aside, I love a disgruntled Englishman. He's not mad. He's just a little exhausted. He's just like, it's, he's, uh, it's not, and it's not sassy. My money. My money. My feet hurt so bad. <laughs> Well, thank God that was over. My feet are killing me. <laughs> that was good. That was very good. The movie or the accent I just did? Yes, and. Good. Um, All right, favorite. What was your favorite bit from the movie? Because there were, it was very clearly a comedy. There were, there were bits. There were comedy bits. Okay, was, something was, about... Or the... maybe not your favorite, but what, what were some memorable ones? Oh, okay. So I loved, for whatever reason, I loved the chicken and beer thing. And she's like, I brought it. <laughs> <laughs> I brought one chicken and chicken do you remember? He's just like, I've got a pic. I made us a picnic basket. I've got chicken and beer, and he's he's just like, oh boy, chicken and beer. <laughs> just, that was I. I thought it was the funniest when they actually pulled it out. It's like, Legatha. He's like, oh, you choose. But it's like, wait, you just brought chicken. You just wrapped up chicken and you have some beer. I, where did you? Get and I that? love that they were just casually drinking and driving. Like, you know, they didn't have grocery store rotisserie chickens. In 1955. That was probably a pretty so good chicken. So where did she get the chicken? She probably made that chicken. No, I think she got it from the hotel. You think she just got it from the bodega? You think she bodega? had like a, a roasting spit in her hotel room? 
I mean, she might, she might have. It was, the you know what? I, I, I can't speak to hotels back then. It looks pretty fancy. She got the suite. Yeah. It was the Carlton, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, she was crushing it. Like, I, I mean, there's no, uh, no lumberjack from Oregon, but <laughs> such a weird, why are you lumberjack? <laughs> Which I thought was really funny. Like I, I love how nonspecific it is. Just like, yeah, I'm in the lumber business. It's kind of like telling somebody you're in the construction business. You know, it's like one step removed. Yeah, you're like, do you cut down wood? Which do you I mean, own I, land or the? <clears throat> what does that mean? Which I mean, I'm I'm definitely reaching here, and this is definitely not why he chose the 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 lumber business, other than the fact that it's just lumber, and it's a way to be very wealthy. But it's like one step removed from construction, which is what. I think People I think it was who are yeah organized criminals crime, yeah that's fair I th- they're like they're I like one wonder, step removed they're still in the business they know how it all works but they're no longer constructing I, I think things. it's a way to say like oh it's construction but it's actually I'm supplying construction so I'm actually getting paid a, a lot maybe a step removed like you're saying but it's also a way to be like I'm wealthy but I'm not oil wealthy so like I'm not worried about getting more money <clears> but. I'm also, like, not a threat to you monetarily. Like, you still feel in power for being interested in me, but you also can trust that I'm not trying to take your money. I got yeah. trees. Um, so, yeah, chicken and beer. Love the chicken and beer <laughs> yeah. bit. That was, I, I, for whatever reason, chicken and beer is just a funny thing to keep saying. And they kept saying it, like, <laughs> couple, three or four times in, like, very quick session quick succession they were just like yeah i got that chicken and beer here and just like oh chicken and beer that sounds great yes chicken and beer i love the chicken and beer <laughs> i think next episode we should only do those old-timey radio voices oh the yeah podcast. it's got it we got to do a new movie though so we got to speak about new movies an old-timey radio voice perfect golly gee oh we could watch field of dreams you know like a, an old baseball announcer and three and two the, the, more I think, the more I think about it, the more I think that might be a little too obnoxious for an entire episode. Oh, for an entire episode? That's like an hour. So maybe we have to do like three episodes. Yeah. No, just, 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 like, <laughs> just sneak it in there. Just like... Oh, man. I, I, I just think we could, we could just do the voice a little more. You know, we could just slip the voices in every once in a while. I attempted the, the Tarantino on the first episode and it... It was... It was there. You, yeah, you you did it. Yeah, you did it. I did it. You made an attempt. It was was, an attempt was there. It is on the internet. Mm -hmm. Indefinitely. That was... uh, That's up there. Yeah. How do you feel about having done that? Do you feel proud of yourself? It was an attempt. (laughs) It it was. was, That was not a yes or no. So... Yeah, I was actually pretty proud of it. Okay. Then and then I listened back to it and I was just like, it could have been better. You heard it. He's proud of his uh, Tarantino impression, so yeah, go make yeah, fun yeah, of him on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I mentioned my favorite. <clears throat> See, here's the thing, Connor. When I ask you what your favorite comedy bit is and you answer it, you're supposed to then ask me what Oh, I was getting there. I was okay, getting there. Okay, we, were, we were, yeah. So we were, we were, we were, we were vibing. So, Chandler, very important question. Yeah. What was your favorite comedy bit? Oh, this wasn't a comedy. Uh, oh, oh, what was your favorite thrilling bit from this movie? Uh, the most intense action sequence I've already spoken about was the hacky sack scene. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I I only wrote down a few of them. So the Hitchcock cameo, I thought, it was funny. Was good. The hacky sack, I think, was by far my favorite. The chicken on the road was a close second. I, 
the moment I realized it was a comedy was when uh, Grace Kelly kisses Cary Grant for the first time. And right. he turns and just, he's like almost direct to camera and just has like a lipstick mark and just a small circle on his lips. I just, I was like that, this is just, this is ridiculous. It had like a Tom and Jerry sort of thing where he's just about to pull out a picket sign, go help or something like that. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, other than that, I, I actually don't remember more than those like three or four. Oh, I've got, I've got some more. I've got some hit, more. Hit me with them. So when they're in the hotel okay, and they're like, oh, they're in the date. They're like having their, their hotel date, which is basically code word for fucking. Okay. So when they're the fireworks. That I, I think or, any old timey references to sex. It's always fireworks. Is so it's always fireworks, but it's this it was particularly funny because they were just like, let's get a close up on the fireworks exploding. So it was weird. This was like a was it trying to be sensual in a weird way, or was it knowing <clears throat> it was being weird? Where she's like, put your hand on the diamonds, and like he she like pulls his hand in to grab the diamonds, and he's like, these are fake. <laughs> It's very, it's very clear that it's like alluding she to knew. she's not. I don't know. Did they ever resolve that whether they, whether she knew whether? They I don't were think they said. I almost wonder if that was just like an improvised line. But <laughs> I, they were very clearly alluding to he's not grabbing the diamonds. It was like a sexual moment. It was supposed yeah. to be PG, so he was grabbing something else, and he said, "These are fake." Well, <laughs> well, it is sort of the the. Um, it does sort of go back to a little bit more of a serious moment of of. The idea of trust is him grabbing onto them and going, "I don't, I don't want these. This is, these are, these are fake. This is, this, this connection is the only real thing here." I'm gra- I'm, I'm, I'm reaching a little bit, but like, but yeah, the, he, the, the shot though where the, the moonlight comes in and it's just hitting from. I was gonna neck bring, down. I was gonna bring that up where it's, it's like, like it's a dark, real all the subtle are owl. Out. Grace Kelly goes and sits down on the table and she sits where her face goes in darkness. <laughs> you don't see her face. And it's supposed to be highlighting the, the diamonds, diamonds. But it's also so very clearly just it, highlighting her entire body and saying, almost like being like, yeah. <laughs> Alfred it, Hitchcock is sitting in the camera. like, like, the boobs are moving right very, now. <laughs> it's like Cary Grant is just staring at her tits. <laughs> do you know... Do you know um... I feel like I don't want to say that word because that's such a harsh word. He's just staring at him. He's just, Cary Grant's just looking where, look, look where he shouldn't be looking. Fun old Hollywood. Do you, do you know who Grace Kelly was married to? This is an old Hollywood trivia thing. Um, I know she was married to, was it the Prince of Morocco or like the Prince King? of Monaco. Monaco. Yeah. So he was, Monaco. she was balling. Yeah. She was oh, yeah. the only person who could have played this character. She was Ballin'. Was she married to him while this was being filmed? Oh, I don't know. I mean, maybe. She, she is, she is special in this movie. She's a cutie. Yeah, but yeah, she probably was married to the um, prince or king of prince of Morocco. Morocco. Monaco. I did it again. Is that the guy who invented those canned alcoholic beverages? The what? Those canned alcoholic beverages. <laughs> canned. Mo- Monaco's? Have you ever had a Monaco? What? Monaco? They're like canned cocktails. They're super Prince of Monaco of Monaco beverage fame. Is that what you're saying? Obviously. What else? There is a couple of other ones. Um, Oh, I just thought it was so funny. 
like having seen this movie a couple of times, I start to pick out like things that are just not making any sense about how like much of a decoy the guy's the guy's feather plume in the end scene. He was like the most seeable person. They're just like, look at me, look at my large feather plume and my all velvet bodysuit. Like, not trying to attract any attention or anything like that. And all the guys are just like, I think it's him. Like, I think it might be the guy. <laughs> like, the, like yeah, the and as he's walking away, you still see the feather plume all the way back until he makes the turn up the stairs. And I'm just like, like wow, he is really working this decoy thing, isn't he? He's, yeah, he's really doing it. the most for it. Yeah. The costume was so ridiculous. I So, a notable mention for... I don't know if this was meant to be a bit. It was kind of uncomfortable because it's just such like a baffling thing that would someone would do in a movie are you talking about the smack (laughs) two things (laughs) baffling thing that happened first of all in a pg movie but it's one of the early scenes they're in the casino and cary grant like leans forward and drops a chip down a woman's shirt it's like is he just staring at her cleavage and then drops a chip it's like can I, can I get that back? Yeah, <laughs> like, my money back, please. I dropped my chip in your. Um, I'm sorry, you're, you, 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 I, you just lost it. And I just. I, I will say it was funny when he was like, Can you just trust me? And then she just gives him the, the amount it was worth. And he's like, Don't worry, I'll trust you too. I won't even count it. I, <laughs> it's like, I, such a bad joke. Um, um, I had to count because I, I went back. Because I had seen that before, and, and I was like, is Cary Grant being sneaky? Is he, like, did he not actually do it? Did he just, like, slip it? And, no, he... And he just, did he went the full hundred and dropped it into the... I will say from editing, it was a little bit confusing because they didn't, like, show it actually happening, which I will say I respect because I only assume they didn't show it actually happening <clears throat> because they must have not done that because that would have been a lot to make in actor do is to have Cary Grant drop something down your shirt. So to say like, yeah, that's a messed up thing to do in the movie. I don't think can that you, on set. They can you imagine Alfred Hitchcock being like, here's what I want you to do. Cary, Cary like, here. Nice man. He's going to drop a chip into your cleavage. Are we good with that? I, yes, I no. feel like he'd be like, now listen here. What happens in the script is this. I'm not going to put you through that. Because this man's a creep. <laughs> so we'll make it happen with movie magic. I was convinced that Cary Grant actually didn't um, slip a chip in there, and I, I had to count his chips, so I went back, and he originally had four, and then he was playing with three chips after that. And I was like, oh, okay, so he's actually, like, straight on this. He's, like, he's, he's good. He's a good guy. The whole movie. I wouldn't say he's good, but he's not breaking the law. He's just... Violating two, two very di- well, space. I mean, he's kind of breaking the law. I was like, kind of dubious circumstances, yeah. checking out other people's rooms, and, and but all he was that. breaking the law for good. Yeah, mm, depends <clears throat> on your what's more highly valuable: catching a thief or respecting people's personal privacy. I don't know. He's a good guy, but he's also not a good guy. But it is it kind of a cute. Watch. I was thinking about this. It is kind of a cute title. You have to catch a thief, you have to think like a thief. That's like the the second part of it. Oh yeah. To catch a thief, you have to think like a thief, and it's also sort of the idea about well, Francie's character catching a. I was thief. gonna say let's let's be clear here. To catch a thief is not referring to Cary Grant catching the copycat. To catch a thief is referring to Francie finding a husband who is a thief because it's a rom com. So obviously the title. Rob com. I. 
Alright, I'm out. <laughs> yes, Connor, it was a Rob com. Thank you. Thank Can you. I'll be here on? all of episode. You'll be here for yeah. Maybe not the next You'll one. You'll be here though. for fifteen more minutes and then I'm kicking you out. <laughs> we'll be doing some contract restructuring next episode. We may have a new host for this that might not be me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes, and he, he's actually an old-timey news, news reporter, so you don't even have to fake it. <clears throat> His name is CJ. No, no, no. <laughs> and listen here, we have staff writer coming on next week. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> All right, guys, Connor's back. His name's staff writer now, though, so... Oh, man. <laughs> you know... I, that's that's gonna be a little inside joke in all of our um, show notes. I'm gonna put special thanks to staff writer. Yeah, staff writer. He's really doing the absolute most. Special thanks to CJ and staff writer. CJ and staff writer, my alter egos. <laughs> so oh sorry. my god, it's so good. So you, I was telling you this before that there's a incredibly large difference between watching the movie for the first time, where you're sort of trying to figure everything out. And watching it for a second, third, fourth onward, where you already know what's going to happen, but you're sort of it. The first time it is a more of a suspense thriller because you're trying to trying to weed your way through through the red herrings and a little bit of the bullshit. And the second the the after you've seen it, it becomes a comedy because you can only fo- you can only focus on the bits. You can only focus on. Like, look at this weird shirtless guy just casually doing pull-ups for no reason. Like, Alfred Hitchcock just decided to put this weird shirtless guy in for the whole movie. And then you see him later, and you're like, is that the shirtless guy? Why is he here? And so you're just still thinking about Why the is he clothed? He's like, this guy doesn't look just like with a shirt on. Because he, he spends, like, half of the movie just walking around shirtless. And then the last scene, he fi- it's a nice character development, really. He finally, he finally got a job. Yeah, finally found a shirt. I don't know about the job, but he finally found a shirt. Well, he he was doing pull-ups on the beach, and then he was working for the catering company at the end. Or maybe he finally so gave he up on his dream his of being a professional bodybuilder and decided to cater instead. I don't know. We could look at this a couple of different ways. Maybe he was doing both. Maybe he was still bodybuilding, but he took a side job as a caterer for the free food so he could help himself bulk up. Oh, I would love to see a side show about this. I'm good. <laughs> I'm happy to not. <laughs> oh my god, delivery was so perfect. It was just too good. So, okay, what were your thoughts on the slap? Like, oh yeah, when he slaps Danielle? Yeah, because that was actually a very important red herring of the movie. Not the slap itself, but that entire scene. Yeah, oh, because she was. <clears throat> so that. I'm gonna talk Did that about throw that. you off? I'm gonna, uh, no, I'm going to talk about that scene in general. Okay. Um, I hadn't even been thinking about Danielle at that point because, <clears throat> just like you said, I realized it was a comedy, and so I stopped trying to predict the ending and figure it out, and I was just along for the ride and loving it. Right. Um, so that scene to me, at first I thought she was getting pissed because they were just talking. Um, I didn't realize that Fusard was Danielle's dad. I had thought it was Bertani. Uh, the whole time because I was just confused and a lot of new characters at once right. and I don't read um, obviously so <laughs> I'm just I'm kidding um, so I 
it wasn't until she said, you're the reason he's dead. And I was like, oh, okay, that's her dad. And then... We, we didn't really need to think about that much more than that. He was out of yeah, the picture, Yeah, right? he's out of the picture. Um, but she accuses him of murder. <clears throat> and looking back, it's like, it makes sense that she would actually be pissed at him because she could be saying, you shouldn't have been looking to figure out who this was. Only because you got involved did he die. This is your fault. Or maybe oh. she actually thought Cary Grant killed so she him. she was actually giving herself away like you should, shouldn't have like... She's actually pissed because she, she blames Cary Grant's character. If you weren't involved, you wouldn't be dead. We could be getting away with this. Right. But also at the same time, they don't. the police didn't reveal that they killed him. They didn't reveal that the police pulled a wrench on Froussard. Was it the police? Or no, was, was it the police or was it... Or who... who I think somebody else, it was, it was an unnamed... Or un, like the character wasn't shown. They just saw it. Remember that they just saw that the you see wrench. a profile of the guy's face lifted up. It's shadowed, so it's like a silhouette. You couldn't you couldn't see you it, couldn't but it was just the arm and the wrench. And then they was hit it the, the guy. Police who were, was it the police who were after him? The police found him. That was the whole deal about it. The so police was, found the dead up, guy. Who was up on the top of the hill before he fell? It was um, who went after him? Was it Bertani's crew? Were they? It, I don't know. I don't know if it, they ever they ever revealed that. Because but. you had Fusard walking around and then just this group of people who were there thinking that it was <clears> the <throat> cat or the burglar. They pounce on him and then I don't know that he necessarily gets... It wasn't... It wasn't... They didn't pounce on him. It was... It was um, Cary Grant and Fusard oh. fighting. Because remember the deal was it was... What was so suspenseful about that scene was that it could have been either Cary Grant or a mysterious figure number two. I missed that part. And so we got the fall afterwards, and then there was just a whole other scene where we didn't know. We were just pretty sure Cary Grant was dead. I don't remember the exact well, I, the exact turn am, of events. but Am it was, I misremembering? Because I'm pretty sure he falls off of the ledge into the water. Right. The people immediately rush down to see what had happened. And Might then, have been police. And then they see Fusar. So I, th- I think... Again, oh, right, right, I could, right, be, right, I could right. be forgetting, but I think what what then happens if I'm piecing this all together, Cary Grant and Fusard are up there together. The police are investigating and happen to be there because they're curious. They go in to try and arrest, and it's just a mix of, like, just chaos. And I think what actually happens is, like, in the chaos, Fusard falls. But I think maybe the wrench is supposed to be a bit. Why the why the hell does he have a wrench? Why, why, well, yeah. why is he full of wrench? Because I was pretty sure there were cops there. And I recognized the profile of one of the guy's face. It made it seem like it was the guy who raised the wrench. <clears throat> was one of the police lackeys. Could be wrong. Yeah. But, but I think... So that makes more sense. So Cary Grant is there. Uh, John Roby is there. And so that's why he's getting blamed because it could have been him who pushed Fusard or whatever happened. If he wasn't there in that moment, Fusard would have gotten away and not been pushed off. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we got we we figured we figured out the scene enough to continue with talking about the right. slap. Um, that slap actually had me thinking in a more serious way. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, it's like it's problematic, but the timing <laughs> was unfortunately comedic. It was funnier than I than I wish it was. To be honest, that's 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 the that's, fairest way I could put it. That's it's what I that's how I, I felt about it. To be. Yeah, funnier than I wanted it to be. Anyway, so um, <laughs> the one other bit that I wanted to talk about um, was in relationship to the dad's death. Do you remember that? Because they were talking about, oh yeah, we caught the cat burglar. We're very excited. Oh, Fusard's we're, death. 
Yeah. Not, Fusar- not Francie's dad. Who right. Fusar's death. Sorry. Fusar's death. Um, the no, fa- it was it was Francie's dad. Francie's dad didn't make an appearance. Danielle's dad was Fusar. That's that's what I meant. Danielle's dad. Yeah. Was Francie's dad was already. Are you dead. referring to the fact that the police were just going to blame Fusard and he's like he had a wooden leg. He had a wooden leg. <laughs> I was curious why at the beginning of the movie we saw him like limping. Limping. Because that part came out was like Fusard was the cat burglar and I was like he has a limp and he's like he has a wooden leg and I was like oh that's why he was limping. You know Hitchcock is really good about tying up all the loose ends. This was a very silly movie, but yeah, in, he in keep... a good way. It was it was silly in a good way. Oh yeah, I mean. It, this is, the, just just to be clear, I mean, this is one of those movies that I've gone back to probably three or four times already this year and rewatched just because it's so, so fun. And it's I, pretty short, too. It's like not a hard watch. No, no. I, I, mean, watch, it, I watched it and I watched it this morning, actually. I watched it like first I woke up, had a coffee. This is my second coffee of the day. Oh, and it's uh, aggressive. And I, I watched it and it was the best way to start. A day, to be honest. Isn't it nice? It was, it was incredible. Any, and, any other movie, like anything intense. Like if I watched Psycho, not a great, <laughs> way, not a great way to start the day. Top Gun even, I don't think is a good morning movie. But that's, To Catch that's, a Thief was... That's, that's, a weird, that's a weird movie to start the morning. But something easy going like To Catch a Thief was... It was like the perfect way to start... Like, I got up earlier than I normally do. I was like, I, I gotta watch this before we record. I'm excited to watch it. Um, and then I watched it and I was like, man, it felt like a really well-timed, paced, written movie. Like, it felt like it was a movie that could have been two and a half hours, but it was like an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah. And, well, like, well done to the point. I was like, it was done. And I was like, man, I still have so much left in my day. This is great. How Okay, how beautiful was the, the movie in terms of, like, the cinematography of it. Because you I mean, don't it, see that. It won an Oscar for cinematography. Did it really? Cinematography and color, yeah. It was nominated for three Oscars, I think, for costuming. Um, was it costuming, writing, and cinematography? Um, costuming sorry, would make a was, lot of sense. It was, best, it was nominated for best costume design. That actually makes a lot of sense. color. Um, it was nominated for best art direction or set direction. And then yeah. it was nominated for best cinematography color. Uh, one for cinematography. This was 1956. So it was released yeah. 1955, one 1956. Um, which I thought was, I mean, it was very clear. It was hard to tell some of the tricks they were using. So they were, I think it was very clear there was a scene where they were in the car um, driving. Like they were driving to the, the villa. And I'm pretty sure it was like a moving psych behind them. Like they weren't actually driving on the road. I think it was like an art piece painted mm-hmm. that they had like moving on a spool. Yeah. I, I, is what I would assume. I can't remember if that's just like a joke tactic people use or if that was like a real... They, oh, no, it was thing. a real thing. I mean, it's 1955. They're not putting people on the road. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no way that they're... Because they're still using film. So they have... Just imagining the the scene from like an outsider's point of view. You've got the person driving the car. You've got the person next to them acting. And then you've got the director yeah. sitting on the camera, rolling the film through the camera. Faster, Jives! You, faster! Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if... You guys can't see me doing this, but I'm like actually doing the, you know, the old timey. Where you have to actually crank the camera. To yeah, where you have to crank the camera to get the film. The, by the way, the director would never do that. There was a camera person who would do that. The, the director had to focus on because it took so much. You had to crank at a very consistent pace. Right. So it was someone's whole job to just. And you're doing that at 60 miles an hour. Yeah. So the, that's not happening. All right. I'm an idiot. Whatever. I don't read. Um, um, but 
so there was that scene which I thought was really clever because it it was hard to tell like it was a really well painted backdrop and they definitely yeah. had multiple layers. There was a moment towards the beginning when Cary Grant was fleeing the police um, and you saw what we would now call <clears throat> drone shots um, of the cars driving on the roads and it was like fast forwarded. Yeah. For me, it was hard to tell because the camera work, like I would, ass- I would assume they would have worked with models, like model cars built a model city. That's probably what they would do. I don't know. Now, but the camera work on it was very clearly like, if that was the case, they intentionally filmed it to look like they were in a helicopter. I think it was in a helicopter. And it might have been. It was just interesting that there were no other cars on the road. Like, this would have had to be a big budget to get a helicopter. 1950. Did they even have helicopters in 55? I think so. I'm sure they probably did. I, I mean, this is a bit of a reference, but I remember, um, you remember the Batman with Adam West? You know what I'm talking about? The original Batman, the, original the one who'd be like, holy Toledo, Batman. You know, that that sort of, it was like the... Holy Sir Isaac Newton's theory of gravity on ice, Batman! Ex- exactly. Like, or, uh, holy nuclear propulsion, Batman, that's a crazy rocket, or something like that. You know, it was... Adam West. It, that, that sort of, like, joke, campy sort of... For, just for reference for some of the younger folks who don't aren't familiar with that Batman, but if you've seen Fairly Odd Parents and you're familiar with Catman, that was a joke on Batman where he was like, I'm Catman. Oh, wow. Are we using Fairly Odd Parents to a Fairly Odd Parents reference to date another reference? Yes. Here comes the Crimson Chain. Yeah, so, so that was probably early 60s, maybe. Early 60s, maybe 70s or something like that. Yeah, 60s. And they had a helicopter in that. They had the Batcopter. Okay. And that was a real thing. So I... I, I assume five years prior. It's, yeah, probably at least... That, that makes sense. So... But it, 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 it was one of those, like, the camera work looked like it was in a helicopter, but the actual cars pacing and the structure of the buildings looked like it was models because the cars just flew into the city and then it cuts. I... I would have been for sure it was models if they went through the city and came out the other side before it cut. So I'm still like, it could have been an actual helicopter. Like it could have actually been I, doing I really it's also wanted like, that to, would be so tough. I really wanted to believe that it was like a helicopter doing all of that, the actual work. And it looked like real cars. Like, it, like the... Well, there were definitely shots of real cars, but there was one shot in particular... You're talking about the, the the big wide landscape one where they just kind of... Where they're driving down like the hill and it's... So there's the moment um, where Cary Grant is driving away from the police at the beginning. He's driving down. He goes into the city and then it cuts and it shows the cops driving out of the city and they stop because they've lost him. And then he comes back out of the city behind the cops. The cops pull over and stop him, but it's actually his housekeeper. Like right at the beginning, you know, it's, oh, it's yeah, like yeah, the yeah, first yeah. big switch. Um, the shot of the cars driving and going into the city is far enough away that it feels like it feels like it could be, but it also is just like it would make more sense budget wise if they had just done models. Good, it's good. So I don't know. We could look <clears throat> it up, but I don't care. I'd rather people tell me I'm. I don't, I don't really care. I want to believe that it's a helicopter and that Albert Hitchcock was just making it rain on this one because this one was his baby i I, i'd like to think that i I would like to think that 
well, how about this? We'll, we'll say that unless someone corrects us, it was probably a model city and model cars driving, and they took the shot from a distance in an actual helicopter. Okay. But they, they built a really big model. Big model. Yeah. Like, like an Italy-sized, or not yeah, France-sized bu- model. They, they built an entire city. Just, <laughs> they built a France-sized model. Or how do you feel about saying that they built model cars, a model city, and a model they helicopter? They just started an model, automobile company. But they had a model helicopter with a model little camera, and that camera is what filmed the shot. <laughs> you think there was a guy who had the like toothpick-sized <laughs> camera? <laughs> yeah, perfect. It's like a clown car helicopter sort of thing. I don't know. I... The only way to find out is to watch it again. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with what, that. What would... Did we come up with a rating system? Or did we just say I, would watch I mean, wouldn't watch again? I think our thing was how, how frequently we'd, we'd watch it. Um, I'd, I'd or watch like when... It. Like, I, I would watch it next week. I would watch it tomorrow. Yeah. But I've only seen it once, so... Yeah, I, I would watch it next week. But that's only because I... I watch a lot of movies. And I'm trying to get some variability. Yeah, so definitely this is one where... You don't have to set out a whole huge amount of time to watch it. Just, like, just... You got and, nothing to do? Throw it on. And the more that I watch this movie, the more I enjoy it. And, like, being able to talk about it with you and, and understanding it, not necessarily from a really deep, you know, philosophical perspective of why did he have to make this movie? This is, you know, a deep understanding of why... It's not that. For me, understanding how ridiculously jokey this movie is and being able to share that with another person. Because... Con- comedies are like they're a communal experience oh for sure and so being able to just laugh at the movie this movie is ridiculous but in a very realistic way it was one of those like it was a movie they shot and you could just tell everyone involved was having a blast yeah like yeah it's just like when everyone's having fun making a project you could tell it was like not overly serious on set like no do it again it was like you guys want to like? What do you guys want to do? What are you doing while you're waiting? Can we be playing hacky sack? Jesse Jesse yes. Royce Landis could definitely hacky sack for sure. Oh, I she I, I she was she I looked she like was, she was she fifty was a, sixty something I think she like. She was a national champion of hacky sack and she she at a time I don't know. She just she actually did, did seem like she was just having so much fun. Oh, except for the except for the weird her, fake her laugh. Char- her character felt. Oh, and do you remember that? <laughs> Where she they dropped the they dropped the thing in the cleavage that's, and, and then that's a very like just, you have ah, to laugh. Ah, that's not ah, funny. Ah, you have to laugh. It was it was a good, it was a good attempt, but like we're it was it was her fake laugh was funny. It was it was, still it was right. Um, I was like, what is happening? But yeah, it is it is. Uh, I think we've kind of been spoiled by real fake laughs as in modern movies. Yeah, for sure. But this was a good, solid theatrical fake laugh, and it was I good. it was enough to make me watch it again for sure. One more thing that I have to talk about. I don't think we talked about this. Okay. Stage kisses are so funny in old movies. They're so funny because they're not like which one they were. A- if- any of them. Any if I'm remembering correctly, I believe there were three. There were three on-screen kisses. There was the first one, which it was only funny because of the reaction, because they're framing. That was that was actually that tasteful. was like like a good. There was the last one in the hotel room, which was it was just a little campy when he had his hand on the jewels, and then they kissed, and then fireworks. So it was a little bit campy, and then 
to me, I thought it was just over the top classic old movie was the one in the car where she falls down. Uh, yes, and all of them. Like, uh, why? What? What led to a kiss here? All of them are for me. All of them are so funny because in modern movies, we're we're used to the big dramatic like raw sexual kisses, and there's just closed mouth moving their head like that, and and just you know you can't see me, but like. You know, they're doing the... I can see the, you, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're doing the that that sort of thing, where it's, it's it's so cute, but they're just like, they're like, this is too much for me. And yeah. and every time I watch it, I kind of giggle at it, because it's a little uncomfortable to watch, but, like, I, I don't want to say the technique, because that just feels super dirty, but, you know, the... Uh, the difference between old movies and, and new movies is so apparent there. Well, it's the difference between they used to do stage kisses was a thing. And yeah. then in modern movies, I think people just are like, they well, just... we have such high definition. Like you just have to make out. You, you know, that's part of the job. You got to do it. And I think it's something that actors sign on <clears> for. <throat> and if they don't, then they're like, well, hey, I'm not comfortable with that kind of work, so I'm not going to do this movie. Or, hey, I'm not comfortable with that fine stand-in. Or, right. I'm not going to do that scene. Or whatever it may be. Anyway, that always made me laugh. Yeah, the stage kisses were... They're, they were something. They were something. They were definitely something. Well, any final thoughts on this I delightful masterpiece? My only final thought is that it is absolutely a delightful masterpiece. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Perfect. <laughs> anyway, well, thanks thanks for listening to our was this episode three of the Shitty Movie Podcast. Is this three? Top yeah, ten. Psycho. Three. Yeah. Uh, you can find I guess links to our socials that we may or may not use i yeah. can't say that another podcast i'll use it. Uh, socials that we that we'll use if we have to yeah uh down in the show notes um you'll find <clears throat> connor's there you'll find mine there you'll mm-hmm. see staff writer who doesn't have socials but we'll give them credit he's um yeah he's working hard behind the scenes to make all this happen yeah he's yeah, we could not do this without we staff could writer. not do this without him he is an essential part of our team <laughs> real morale builder connor is there anything you'd like to plug um, you know what? I want to shout out my friends Kevin and Hasib for bringing this amazing coffee that we had this morning. That's all. Your friend Kevin? Huh? My friend Kevin. I, anyone named Kevin is all right in my book. Yeah. Yeah. Also Hasib. I know it's a little... Hasib. 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 I didn't hear... Kevin? <clears throat> and most people named Kevin are all right in my book. Kevin Spacey's on a... Who? I don't think... He... We, 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 we went all over the place. He's not in any of my books right now. Uh, Hasib. Excellent actor, though. I love that name. Hasib. Hasib. That is delightful to say. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good guy. like him a lot. Wonderful. Yeah. I'm going to plug um, another podcast that I'm involved with. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, by the time you're, you guys are listening to this episode, there should be, for sure, a trailer. Maybe a couple episodes live. Yeah, I um, hope so. Uh, the second... It's the second podcast in our network. Uh, it's called Inspired R&R, the podcast. It's a D&D actual play, a little bit more creative, but if you, a little less wacky though. It's less a little more wacky. creative, a little less wacky. It's a bit more serious. It's kind of dark. So if you're not really, if you liked our Psycho episode, but didn't really like this episode of the podcast, and you're in for really long listens, well, maybe go check it out. 
or if you're interested in something new. And Chandler does an him. accent. I do. I, we, we did accents here, but he does. I, I do an actual... I'm not going to do it. I'll make you go listen to it. Um, but I play a character who is... Like, imagine if an elephant was, like, a person. Like, had an two elephant le- was a... Yeah, like, if an elephant had two legs and two arms. Okay, that's, like, that's that's sweet. Yeah, he's he's a big, lovable... Uh, he's just a big, lovable guy. Uh, so go great. look out for that. Um, again, Inspired <clears throat> R&R, the podcast. You can find uh, links to that on our... Maybe my socials on... Um, of the Excitable Mind socials. Or you can find... Us here. You can find us here, Absolutely. What are we watching next time? I was thinking we'd take it a little bit more modern because we've done... I agree. We did Top Gun, which was... Um, 80s. Which was 80s. We've done Psycho, Psycho, which was 60s, and To Catch a Thief, which was 50s. Right? Yeah, and they were both sort of within the same... So they were the same director. Yeah. And Two very different movies. Completely different movies. But I'm, um, I'm thinking maybe something 21st century. 21st century. Yeah. So officially 2000s and beyond. I think so. I have an idea. For what do you, what one, do you think? But I also want to know if you have any ideas. Um, if you wanted to go in the same vein as the sort of campy but also kind of serious movie, uh, Goodwill Hunting is one of my favorites. Have you seen that before? It's been a while. So that would be a really fun one. Um, you could tear that one apart. You can also enjoy Robin Williams' performances, which he is just very near and dear to my heart, as I'm sure he is to everybody. Yeah. Um, and Matt Damon's great, and Minnie Driver's great, and the whole cast is great, and they, you know, you'll probably cry a little bit, which is good. You'll definitely laugh a little bit, which is also good. And So yeah. my, I'll bring forward mine, and then we can either decide can haggle. Us which one we think is the I, best. I, I'm down to haggle. Um the one that I thought of is a completely different vibe. Okay. Uh, have you... Are you familiar with A24? Yeah, 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 yeah. Have you seen The Lighthouse? I've wanted to see The Lighthouse for, like, a couple of years now. And so, I think I told you this in the, the Psycho episode. I am completely against scary movies. Totally against it. Like, I don't do it. I think I told you Insidious scarred me as a child because I saw it in theaters and that... The, um, well, okay. I was about to say, please don't look that up right now. <laughs> um, but I've heard amazing things about Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe just being absolute fucking weirdos. Um, and I'm very interested. Um, yeah, it's not, I mean, I I've, would, I've heard it's, it's more of a mystery than a horror. It's really not scary. It's very confusing, but it's the writing on it is like the, the dialogue is, I mean, it. The easiest thing I could say is the entire movie is just kind of obscure. Oh, okay. I wanna. I wanna see it. That I. I. I I'm quickly giving up on the whole Goodwill Hunting thing. <laughs> Goodwill Hunting is a, a good movie. It is a very good movie, but I've never seen The Lighthouse, and I really would like to. And um, I've. I've been trying to find a reason to do it, not just sit down by myself and do it. And this is a. This is the reason. This God. is the reason. I'm also. It's a. It'll be a great one to talk about. Okay. And the content of it and what happens. It, it, I mean, I'm just seeing this picture right here, this picture of the the trailer right here, and that's already a very interesting shot. Yeah, I know I said 21st century, but it definitely has a vibe of an older movie. It's really it takes so. It's place very. In the, it's a period piece, I believe. 
Um, yeah, it takes place in the 1890s, I think. Um, and it's it. also in black and white, and it's A24. Uh, so it's very, it'll <clears> be high definition, but it's very like... And it's very technical with the camera work, like a lot of uh, the old movies do. I believe so. Love it. But the shit that happens. That was the easiest discussion I've ever had. That Maybe I'm just a pushover, but I definitely want to see this movie. It's... I'm, I'm excited already. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Well. I wonder if maybe we should have done plugs after that, but anyway, we did them in whatever order we did, so. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Now? I think you should do it. I've, I've, I've committed prematurely. I think you should eat. Wait, to what, should, what should I do? You gotta, you gotta roll credits. Should we Wait, roll credits? What should I say? Roll credits. Roll credits. Roll credits. Non, un poulet. Poulet, poulet.